Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Micah Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. We've been in a series that we're calling it, we've been calling it a thrill of hope. Why? We think it's pretty important to talk about hope at the end of 2020. If you've missed what's gone on in 2020, I think we have every excuse literally possible to not have really any hope in what's kind of going on. And we just felt it was so important and really imperative as a church to dialogue a little bit about what hope looks like. But a little bit more than that is we've kind of been breaking off little pieces of hope and and bringing kind of different light and context to what we felt like hope really um, is. And so today I'm going to be talking about something, and I'm going to give you the inside track. I have never in my life spent more time on a sermon than this one. I hope I got your attention, right? I have never in my life spent more on a sermon than this one. And really, it started in about February, and I didn't think I would have it done even by now. Where I, I'm a pretty diligent Bible reader. You kind of have to be if you're going to preach about the Bible. You know, you probably should read it, which I, I am a reader of the Bible. Thank the Lord, right? Amen. People are like, well, what else would you preach from? You don't know nowadays. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. We, I, I, in February, I'd been noticing this phrase, but I a little bit did a deep dive, and we have some concordances and different things that actually do certain word searches, but I didn't feel like that fit for this particular topic. The reason being is essentially in Psalms really is where I found the phrase and where I kind of applied to searching and combing through the Old Testament and the New Testament for the phrase. But it's this phrase, steadfast love. Steadfast love. Now, for a lot of us, we're like, oh, steadfast love, that means to be steadfast, which, you know, don't move. and It's always there, I guess, you know. But really, this phrase is a pretty profound and important phrase in the Bible. What do I mean by that? In, in Psalms alone, there are 93 references of the term steadfast love. 93. That's just in Psalms. Now, I'm not going to lie. If your mom came up and told you 93 times something to do and you didn't do it, I'm 29. My mom would still spank me. My mom told me after service, don't say that joke again because I won't spank you. I just said it. I might get spanked. Anyway. Right? <laughs> if you guys didn't know that, my mom, every service, she's always got something for me. Locked in the chamber. <laughs> Just a minute, Mikey. Mikey. Um, I'll let that sink in. Some of you guys who know her. Uh, but here's the deal, right? 93 times in Psalms. 93 times. Now, here's the deal. We're not done because actually what you find is that it's not just found in Psalms. It's found in Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Joel, Chronicles, Job, Micah, Proverbs, and a large portion of the Old Testament books. And that's not to mention New Testament references. If you want to get even deeper, the Bible, historians and theologians believe that cover to cover, it spans about 4,000 years. So what you have is you have a phrase that is interwoven throughout Scripture over a period of 4,000 years that continues to pop up. Steadfast love. And so really what it comes down to is that term steadfast, the definition, is firmly fixed in place or firm in a belief, determination, or adherence. It's an absolute something. It is something that is absolute. It is it is. It will always be there. It's never changing. It is constant. And and these are just words that our English language, we try to package it in. Now, pause, right? 
Because I'll be honest, in our day and age today, if I asked you, do you have steadfast things in your life? If I looked at you and said, hey, do you have things that 100% of the time you can count on, rely on, it is constant, it is clockwork, it is perfect, you never, right? Many of us, hopefully we could say we're in a marriage like that, hopefully, if not, we'll pray for you, you know? But maybe, a lot of us, maybe we don't even, because we don't even realize how interwoven faith is and, and steadfastness is where we depend on a paycheck. We think it's coming, but what if it just didn't? Our health, we just depend on, but what if it just... The more you think about it, the more that the list of steadfast things in our world slowly slips away. You know, and for me personally, I was challenged because these passages of Scripture... And these ways of thinking is essentially, it's 100% certainty all the time that you are loved. 100% certainty all the time that he has purpose, he has plan, he has grace, and he truly wants a relationship with you. It's 100% certainty. Now pause. What is a good certainty to have, though, when you're trusting somebody, when you're in relationship with somebody, when you're trusting whether it's a business thing or whatever it is? What's a good certainty? Would we say 60 70%? I mean, because in all honesty, are we ever fully certain that people will do what they say? I would venture to say most of us in this room have relationships with very few people who we know when they tell us they are going to do something by a certain day, a certain time, and they are going to follow through. It, the list is kind of small. And what's even more than that is if we observe maybe some of those people who, heaven forbid, they let us down, all of a sudden we realize that that steadfast love reference doesn't really apply to humanity because we've all got stuff sometimes. You know, for me personally, I figured that you guys would need a little object lesson of this. So this right here, I picked up golfing a year ago. I'm st uh, the only reason I picked it up is because I went to Top Golf and was terrible at it. And I'm the type of person that when I pick up something, I have to figure it out. I just, I cannot move on until I figured it out. Now, pause. This, there's a reason I brought up one club. This is my steadfast club. Meaning that no matter what is going on, about 60 to 70% of the time, this thing's going to do what I want it to do. Which in golf, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it don't matter if I'm in the sticks, in the branches, I got to go over 14 trees. It doesn't matter. 70% of the time, 60% depending on if I get a warm-up session before... This thing is going to do what I want it to do. It don't matter if I'm putting. It's right here. <laughs> to chipping, it don't, it don't matter. This club is the club that when all else is failing, hopefully it does what I want. Now, how many of us base our life on that, right? Building on things that we, that humans say, this will never fail you. And then it does. The things that humanity tells us, oh, these are the steadfast things. Whether it's a pay, a pay grade that you've got to meet. Whether it's a certain type of relationship. Whether it's doing these things, eating these foods, doing this stuff, you're perfect, you'll never have health issues. We do all of these things to ensure certainties until we find out that guess what? There aren't any. In our world today, there's not many certainties. But in the Bible, for 4,000 years, God spoke of one certainty, one consistent, yes. Yes. one thing that never shifts, one thing that never moves. I don't know what that was. 
but it was Javen's phone. <laughs> There's one thing in scripture that never changes, never moves, and it is this phrase, steadfast love. Now, if I were to ask you, do you feel like you've ever experienced steadfast love? You know, even from a relational standpoint, if you asked me five years ago, who are the people in your life that steadfastly love you outside of your family? Those people five years ago, for the most part, aren't really, I mean, the ones that were close. And it's interesting to me, like I said, where we have certainties in our minds where we feel like this is steadfast, but it isn't necessarily steadfast. I pray that we recognize the importance of steadfast love as it pertains to our Savior. Jesus is far and away the most steadfast thing you could ever put your hope or trust in. Because if we're going to talk about hope, we need to talk about hope within the light of holding on to something that never fails. See, when you lose hope is when you've put your trust in things that have failed you. I pray today that we recognize the importance of putting our hope in things that won't fail us. A couple of my favorite passages of steadfast love are found um, here. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. First Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Job 10, 12. You have granted me life and steadfast love and your care has preserved my spirit. Thank you, Mom. Psalms 106.1, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Pause. There's actually, I believe, uh, let me find it here. Psalms 136 has 26 references of steadfast love just in that one chapter. Isaiah 54.10, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord. For he has compassion on you. Listen to that one though. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. You want to talk about a God who thinks in terms of infinite? He's essentially saying no matter what, these mountains may move and hills be removed. But my steadfast love is going to last longer than mountains and hills. My personal favorite, Micah 718. <laughs> Thank you guys for getting my jokes today, man. Sometimes I joke and you don't even laugh. Uh, <laughs> who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. I love that one because it's, it's one thing to steadfast love with somebody and, you know, half the time you're a little bit angry at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or 20%. You're like, yeah, 80% of the time I really delight in our love, but there's a 20% where I would take my shoe off and throw it at you. Right? And so when we ask ourselves the question, like God is essentially saying, my, I delight in my steadfast love for you. I delight in the fact that I know that I love you so much that I would do anything for you. Once again, Micah 7.18. <laughs> So what I want to do today is I want to talk about characteristics of steadfast love. And the reason being is I think a lot of the times what we want in this world is we want certainties. We want, okay, you know, at the end of this service, every service we do here, we always do an altar call where we ask people to make Jesus the Lord of their life. 
And that's always the first step. But then there's this character development and spiritual maturation that you have to take ownership of for yourself. Because steadfast love doesn't change, but maybe your perception of it will. And a lot of us, we have a perception of what we think steadfast love is, and it's not biblical. We have a perception of what it means to love and follow God and, 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 and to live in His grace and in His mercy and in His love. But it's not truly what it is. So what I want to do is I want to give us three characteristics of steadfast love. The first one, God doesn't look to improve your life. He looks to infuse your life. Now, here's, what, here's my biggest thing, right? We... I can't tell you how many people, we all want God to improve our life, but we don't want God to give us any of the tools that will infuse our life to improve it on our own. You know what love is, right? Is it's teaching you for yourself so you can do it on your own. I'm 29 years old. What would have happened if my mom did not teach me how to go to the bathroom and eat for myself and I was 29? That would be weird, right? We don't even have a, a, a knowledge or an understanding of what that looked like because it would just be creepy, right? And I feel like sometimes what happens is we come to God and we want God to improve everything without his spirit and his word infusing us to improve our circumstances, our character, and our lives. I'll be honest with you. For me personally, I was joking about this in the 830 service. I feel like when we're in God's word and we're in community, we're in communion, we're in relationship and we are steadfastly pursuing him, there is a level of infusion that takes place where you have certainty. That's right. I'll, I'll be honest with you, even within this, there was no point in COVID where I wasn't certain that God didn't have a plan. Can we say that as a church? There was no point in my life where I was not certain this year that God did not have a plan. But let's take it a step further. I, in first service, outside of this last week, I prayed that the Lord would give us our wedding venue, but he didn't, and it's okay. But I, before that, I, had, I couldn't remember the last time I prayed for myself. And the reason being is because when you become so infused with God that you know he knows the desires of your heart, he knows your strengths and your weaknesses, and he knows you're doing your best. There's a level of, God, I don't even need to pray because I know that I trust your timing. I trust your character. I trust the promises in your word, and I know you're with me. I know you'll take care of them. Man, I, we have people all the time where we want to pray for all of these things, and we don't want to do anything character development to actually allow us to keep them. What do I mean by that? Most of the time, the improvements we're praying for, God's trying to instill into our character, but we don't want to change our character to accommodate the blessing. I pray that we are not Christians who we cry out for God's blessing without taking ownership of what it means to be infused and not just be kind of improved. See, improvement is okay, well, I'll do a little bit of this. Improvement is, okay, I'll do a little bit of this. Okay, uh, maybe I'll do this. Infusement is, God, everything in your word, I will get it inside me as a command to live out. I will pursue the lifestyle of Jesus. I will stand up and walk out in difficult areas, trusting and knowing that you have me. See, this is what it means to be infused. See, improvement isn't enough today. If you're just trying to improve your situation, no offense, we're serving the wrong God. You can go serve all the, the, the man-made stuff that'll give you all of the things that you think improvement is, but if you actually want life change, you have to get what's in the Bible 
And what is, what's going on with the Holy Spirit inside you and steward it? Infusement is way, way better than just improvement. Yes. Yes. Second thing is this, right? His steadfast love is, is an example you are supposed to follow then model. You know, I'm going to be honest. In Scripture, especially when you, when you research a lot of the disciples' lives, what you find is, is they are coined and termed followers of Christ very early within the, the relationship of Jesus. Followers, disciples, you hear this term. However, what you actually see is there's a volatility in their followership. I mean, you've got a... One second, they're walking up to Jesus. Hey, let's call down fire on these guys. They're kicking kids away from him. Don't let these kids in here. There's, there's a level of this rough, kind of just off-kilter followership. But, but what happens when Jesus dies is that he's gone, and a lot of his, the three of his main disciples go back to their old lifestyle of fishing. And he actually has to meet them on the seashore and re-enlist them into the kingdom and essentially challenge them like, hey, guys, you're not followers anymore. You're models now because I'm not going to be here anymore. It's on you. Now, pause. What I'm trying to say is this. We as Christians, we can be followers all day long of people who we maybe think are following God or doing it or all of that and come to the church, listen to the pastor, follow what he says, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, when nobody is around you to follow, what are you modeling? Because I'll be honest, right? When it's all stripped away and your back is against the wall, it's not, following's not good enough anymore. Our world is starving for an example of what it looks like to live with significance and meaning. I pray that we're not people who just buy in to the humanistic existence that our culture tries to sell us. But rather we say, I'll live to be a model and trust God that he'll provide everything that I need. I pray today that we are not just okay with just casually following God, but we are tangibly looking for ways to model what it looks like to serve and follow Him. Yes. You know, there's a passage of Scripture, and many of us know it. It's in Matthew 22, 36 through verse 40. And it's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Those are the two greatest things. And what's interesting, I said this a few months ago, but I felt like it was imperative to bring it up again today. Is I believe God gave those commands and they're so ambiguous. You know what I mean? Like when you read them, you're like, okay, well, I love God and I love my neighbors. There's, there's four of them. One, two, three, four. Love those. It's, it's so ambiguous to me, even the term of what it means. Okay, these are the greatest things. It's just so easy to just be like, all right, check that box. But I believe it's ambiguous because there was, God knew our human nature, it would be so difficult for us to love those in close proximity. It would be so difficult for us to choose the God of heaven over the gods of this earth. It would be so difficult, it would take a lifetime of the pursuit of that to even get remotely close to achieving it. Do we truly love everybody? Neighbor, close proximity. Do we love those we come into proximity with? Do we love God over the status, over the significance of whatever the world tries to show us? Because I'm going to tell you this, right? If we're followers, it's just so easy to follow God a little bit and follow some other things a little bit. But when we're looking and saying, okay, I'm a model 24-7, 365, there's a level of ownership. And that's what it comes down to. 
As a follower, you can get in line with somebody else's ownership. As a model, the buck stops with you. You own your own life, your own decisions, your own transformation of your mind. We are not finished products, and no offense, we never will be. We never will be. If we're not constantly changing and evaluating our stereotypes, our ways of existence, our ways of thinking, or we think we're always right, I'm just going to tell you, we've missed what it means to model. I pray today that we are not just okay being followers, but we're challenged to be models. And the last one is this. Steadfast love is full coverage, no deductible, 24-7. 365, non-automated. I had to put that in there. Non-automated personal assistance. It's not PLPD. What do I mean by this? A few years ago, me and my buddies, we were heading up to Holland. I have a buddy up in, uh, in, in, uh, up in, in Holland who, has, who got us keys to Hope College's main gym, and we were going to go play basketball. And at that time, I had, a, I had a Hummer, and there was a bunch of us in my Hummer, and it was snowing bad. It was snowing bad. But you know what? When you drive a Hummer, you're just like, okay, we're doing it. Right? And so we're, we're driving up there, and all of a sudden I hit an eight-foot deep pothole, which are common in Michigan, right? That was a joke. Goodness. Let's get some laughs going in here. Um, I hit an eight-foot deep pothole, and I, and I can hear a pop, pop, pop. And what I don't know is it's my lug nuts breaking off of my bolts. And all of a sudden, in about five seconds, my tire shoots, back right tire shoots out the right side of my car, completely off the freeway, back end, drops to the ground, and we are sparking and sliding, and I'm coming to a stop on the side of the highway, 6.30 p.m., middle of a snowstorm, 45 minutes from home, 20 minutes from the gym, we're supposed to play basketball, but you know what? I had steadfast hope and trust in one thing, my insurance company. Why? Because I pay every month for towing. And a rental car. So I turn around to the guys, and I'm like, cool as a cucumber. Like, hey, guys, yeah, be fine. Get picked up 20 minutes, 25 minutes, wishful thinking. (laughs) Have a rental car, we'll get there. Hoop and eat Chick-fil-A, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Perfect day. I call my insurance company once again. It is a snowstorm. It is cold. And I call them. Oh, yeah, we got your towing. Yeah, it looks like it's on your, your thing here. Yeah, we'll just transfer you to our towing thing. I'm like, great. Get on the phone. Hey, man, uh, looking for a tow. Okay, where are you? Oh, yeah, you're only about 10, 15 miles from the shop. We can get somebody out there probably tomorrow at like 10 a.m. I said, did you, did you say 10 a.m.? Yeah, tomorrow probably about 10 a.m. I said, how does that work? Well, we're a little backed up right now, and... You know, we'll get somebody out there. I said, what am I supposed to do till 10 a.m.? Well, I, I said, and I, I, I stayed very pastoral. I said, I said, you know, I pay for towing. Yeah, we, we know. Yeah, we, we, we see that on your thing here. Yeah. Okay, so tell me how I pay for 24-7, 365 towing, and you're telling me I have to wait. 15 hours to get towed. Well, you know, we're just backed up and the weather is really bad right now. And I was like, you're a tow service. How do you build a business on towing cars when you can't go out in bad weather? I lost a little bit on that point, but. (laughs) 
Fun fact, though, my buddy had a spare car. He picked us up. We borrowed the car. Best part is handwritten note on the windshield. Hey, if anybody sees this, 10 a.m. tomorrow, police didn't care. Towed my car. Police got a tow. <laughs> police got a tow impounded. Hey, this is officer such and such. Your car is a... I'm like, this is fantastic. I called my insurance company. They're like, yeah, we can... Uh, we can reimburse you up to like $75. I'm like, great, that'll cover um, not even 20%. Needless to say, I have switched insurance companies. <laughs> but pause, right? When I wrecked, when I wrecked, in my mind, I had steadfast. I pay for this. This is what it says. This is how it should function. This is how it should go. And you better believe, guess what? No matter how much assurances, no matter how many certainties, no matter how much picture-perfect planning, it didn't go that way. What happens in your life when that happens to you? Because if you are building your life on the certainties of what you think are certainties, but they're not God's steadfast love, there's going to come a point where spiritually you've blown a tire and spiritually you're on the side of the road and spiritually there is nobody around to pick you up. Have you chosen the one who can? Because what you've got to realize is he is full coverage. No matter what accident you get in, he can cover it. That's right. He is non-deductible. No matter how much you think you need to do, his grace still covers it. He's auto, he is not automated. So his spirit at any time is able to communicate with you whether you want to believe it or not. We could talk about it later. And I'm telling you this. It is so important for us to realize the attributes of God's character because when we do, we can rest in certainties. That's right. And for some of us, maybe we've never had rest within the uncertainty of our life, but I want to encourage you, the steadfast love of God is the only certainty you can bank on. His steadfast love can bring water from a rock when you're thirsty, rain bread from heaven when you're hungry, fight your enemies without you even taking out your sword, talk through a burning bush when you need to hear from him, calm storms when it seems like the ship is sinking, use dirt and spit to open up blind eyes, pay your taxes, bite gold coins in a fish's mouth, See, there's no formula for steadfast love, only the pursuit, recognition, and realization of it and the reciprocation of it towards the Father as well. I pray that we don't weigh in the balance transactional steadfast love. Okay, God, well, I'll trust and choose you if I get this in return. See, God's time frames aren't our time frames. But I can tell you this, that if you trust outside of the elements of time, outside of the elements of comfort, outside of the elements of your own anxiety or your own control or need to control, that his steadfast love will pull you through. And some of us, maybe you've never known what that steadfast love is. But today I pray that you feel it. My parting thought is this, back to the follower and model. This week I dropped some stuff off at Goodwill for grace. And as I walked in and dropped it off, guy pulled me aside and he said, hey, this was yesterday. You're, uh, are you Micah? I said, yeah. He said, uh, I talked to you in a hallway one time. 
St. Joe High School. I said, really? He said, yeah, man, I, I, I'll always remember that. You were really nice to me. It really made, it really made a difference what you said. I said, oh, that's cool. I said, what year did you graduate? He said, 2015. I looked at him. I said, so I talked to you six, seven years ago, and you remembered? He said, yeah. And I walked away, and I remember having that profound moment in my car. Like, we all have moments every day to show steadfast love in insignificant ways that can be significant to somebody else. And I pray that we don't look at opportunities like, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. Oh, well, it's not really that. But rather, we look at opportunities and say, all right, God, I'm willing, I'm able, I'm open. I believe in your steadfast love. I'll pursue your steadfast love and I'll show your steadfast love because I'm telling you this is if it is talked about hundreds of times in scripture over 4,000 years of time, it still is relevant to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our church. Thank you for every person that's here today. And I pray, Jesus, that there would just be a revelation of your steadfast love for people. God, there is nobody who's canceled out on that. There's nobody who's too far gone for that. There's nobody who's made too many mistakes for that. God, your steadfast love is for all of us. And so today, Jesus, I just pray right now that people would realize the only certainty in this world is to build our lives on you, the rock. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. With that. Thank you.